It's neurodivergent moments. Yeah, we're here. We're back. I am exhausted. How are you, Joe? <laughs> I'm also in the, the point just before I end a fringe where you just have just constant anxiety and constant stress and you can't think about anything else other than the fringe. Yes. Yeah. Why yeah. have we done this to ourselves? <laughs> well, I'm looking at a list of things I need to do before I leave and they're all things that take relatively an entire day to do one thing. And I leave on Monday. I leave, you know, in two days. I have seven things to do. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> do them in the car on the way up. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm flying. I'm bougie. Ah, I see. Do them but on if, a 40-minute plane journey. <laughs> yeah, well, because trains are, have been so fucked, and there's a, there's a strike going on today that I was like, I'll just fly up. But if my flight gets canceled, I'll call you, Joe, and I'll hitch a ride. Yeah, yeah. I have to drive up with um. Uh, drive up with us. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's stressful, isn't it? Yeah. Why, do, why, why do we do it? But, uh, I, but your show is amazing. I saw a preview. It was brilliant. Your show's amazing. I've seen excerpts of it, but I haven't seen the whole <laughs> thing yet. I'll see it in it. The rest of it's just filler. But uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> uh, we um, had re- should we talk about where we are quickly? Uh, in life? Uh, no, in, in yeah. Edinburgh, <laughs> but also in life. Um, uh, uh, just as we were talking about it, I thought we would yeah. say that I am midday at the Banshee Labyrinth. Yeah, and I'm 6.20 at just the Tonic the Tron. So, yeah, come check us out if we're if you're up there. And uh, both of our shows are pay what you want. So if you're a bit skint, by all means, you can still come along. And uh, on a completely different note, we did a podcast. And we, we had Rialina <laughs> on it. And maybe we she should talk wonderful. about that. She's always great. She's so freaking smart. And, like, she is. She has a PhD in virology, and I literally didn't know it till like halfway through the pandemic. And she was telling me how she's been a talking head a lot on, uh, I think Sky News maybe or ITV News. But I had no idea. Like I've known her for years, and I knew she had a PhD, but it just didn't click that she was. She's like a real live doctor. Yeah, and she's clever about other stuff as well. She's all she sort of knows. A lot about everything. She's yeah. a jack of all trades, master of all trades. Yeah, fabulous comedian. Also can write comedy songs. Wonderful. And in this episode, we talked about relationships and dating specifically. So less long-term, more more like the dating aspect. Yeah. I was out of my depth in this episode because I, <laughs> I, I just um, uh, found someone that... Um, was uh, more attractive than me when I was 17 and just just stayed with them, did whatever I could to not make them leave. And Yeah, and I finally met Danica uh, this past weekend when we, we did... We were partying at Latitude Festival. Yeah, we partied hard. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, um, settling down early, Joe, no disrespect to you, right decision, <laughs> wonderful lady. You couldn't have done better. You couldn't have oh, done you. better than Danica. I met Tom as well, and he is lovely. Thank you. I'll keep them. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, dating while neurodivergent. It's interesting because I didn't know I was neurodivergent when I was in the dating world. But now that I look back, so many things make sense to me that it's like, oh, that's why I was. So what kind of things we talking? So I think like I'm very susceptible to like love bombing and stuff because it kind of gives you that dopamine hit. And with ADHD, they talk about, like, 
hyperfixations, which can be on a thing, but they can also be on a person. And um, I think definitely in my dating time, there'd be times where I would just be like obsessed with a dude and like no logically be like, well, this is out of hand, like like in sometimes it not being reciprocated like that's how you know you're like this is too much i should get over this and just being like so fixated on a person and then it and then it would just go away and then it'd just be like yeah i don't know if that necessarily has to do with adhd but it feels like it does and then also is that quite scary then when knowing that it could just drop away I mean, I think when I say just drop away, like, I think that um, a lot of those instances were, like, not good relationships really anyways. They were more people that I was just, like... I can't wait for this to drop away. (laughs) Yeah, they were more people who I liked, but they didn't have the same feelings or people I was in, like, less of, like, a girlfriend-boyfriend situation and more of, like, a hookup situation. And I wanted more, and they just wanted the sex. And and part of my brain was, like, this is really toxic because I have feelings and they don't. And then I just kept doing it over and over and over. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not single anymore. <laughs> I am. Or that I, yeah, that I'm, oh, God. And, uh, yeah, and then I don't know, again, if this is necessarily in... ADHD thing, but it really feels like it. Tom's my uh, first, let's keep him on his toes, first long-term <laughs> relationship. I expect to have many others. Uh, no, but seriously, he's the only guy I've ever like lived with and built a life with. And anyone who's like a past partner, I kind of look back on that as like, well, that didn't count. Right. That, that was just a blip. That was just a blip <laughs> in the system. And I like, um, yeah, I, I really, in my head, I downplay some relationships in my life <laughs> after the fact. I'm like, oh, they were just some person. It's not a big deal. When in reality, at the time, I was just like head over heels. I suppose there is a difference between that, like, because yeah, before that, you know, I would like fancy people and like, and you have sort of a huge crush on someone, but that is very different to having like a... Uh, in a way it's like less intense but in another way it's sort of more meaningful having that sort of long-term relationship with someone isn't it yeah I mean well you can't I think when it comes to long-term relationships like I I love Tom dearly and he's been gone for five days so I had some time to miss him which is fun um, because we've been together every day for the last five three (laughs) years but um yeah, I mean, that, like, puppy love that you get when you first meet someone, it's just not sustainable over years. Like, every day, you exhaust yourself, I think. I mean, mm. I still, you know, I still love them, and I still, you know, am excited about them and think about them, but it's it's the... And I think also because the chase is not there and the what could happen next is, is like, oh, are we going to wind up, you know... Like, oh, he called me, he likes me, we're going to go on a date, I wonder if we'll wind up being a couple. Oh, we're a couple, I wonder if we'll wind up living together. It's like, we went on a date where we slept together, we're a couple, we we live together. Like, we've hit, a, we've hit all the milestones. Yeah, if your life was a soap opera, it's got to quite a boring bit of a soap opera. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just happily, I'm just happily in a committed relationship. <laughs> it's not a lot of drama, but that's good. Yeah. No drama is no. good news. I keep it. I keep it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
obviously, because you and Danica were, what, together at 17, you said? Uh, yeah, we met when we were 16, both 16, and uh, then we got together when we were 17, yeah, so so we sort of spent more than half, yeah, more than half our lives together, so it's, oh, um, wow. yeah, so it feels, feels sort of, uh, people who sort of had that experience of dating as an adult seems very, very different. Yeah, did, did you, I mean, it's not really dating, but like when you were a younger teenager, or even a kid, did you ever have like you know, crushes or like that thing where it's like, oh, and we held hands on the bus. I know you guys don't have school buses, but that was a big moment when we We do have school buses. Wait, you do have, you don't have big yellow school buses. No, no. How do you think we get to school? I thought everyone walked or drove their kids. Well, some people would have, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I live in London and every friend I have who has kids is a comedian and they always talk about the school run. So I assume there was no public transport for children. People are probably more dropped off than, than, um, I don't know, I've got an image of them. Yeah, we don't have those big yellow buses like in The Simpsons, but yeah, I've got the bus to school. Um, uh, yeah, I think I did. Probably a lot of them weren't reciprocated. Um, I think probably I'd have sort of crushes on people who, looking back, were not, uh, we were not a good match at all. Um, and I, I just sort of like thought, oh yeah, they're, they're the one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, none of, none of them ever really worked out. Dad was my first sort of, um, proper girlfriend, even by 17 year old standards. Very cool. I feel like I've been in a relationship long enough, and since you've been with Danica since you were so young, neither of us have a lot to bring to this opening. <laughs> no, no. Should 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 we should we bring on Ria? I've run yes, out of steam. should we bring on Ria? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, listen, we were awake and alert for the actual podcast <laughs> record of this one, so enjoy it. It's an absolute. You'll, you'll see our energy change quite drastically. Yeah, get We're ready. Stress for Edinburgh. Here's real Lena. Welcome, real Lena, to the podcast. Thank you, Thank you for having me. We said that I was I was ill. I'd, I was full of COVID. Like we were meant to have you a month ago, and I got COVID bad. Ooh. But I'm, Do you I'm have long now. COVID now? I don't think so, but I'm still recovering. I'm still not good. It was, it was hard, you know? Like, I know that, that I, like, you know, I never take time off, never cancel gigs for when I'm a little bit ill. It really floored me for a couple of weeks. But I'm, I'm broadly better now. I'm fine. Oh, good. Sorry to start the glad, podcast on a down. Glad to still have you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Any advice for recovering from COVID as comedy's only uh, virologist <laughs> stand-up comedian? Well, I, I mean, I'll be honest. It's, it sounds like he's already done it by himself. <laughs> you know, y- you nailed it. You're still you're here. You don't seem to have long COVID, which is good because that's the next stage of research is to figure out, you know, who who and what's going on there. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on with long COVID. Uh, Rhea, you and I have known each other for a long time, and I feel like every time I talk to you, I always learn something new and incredibly fascinating about you. So it wasn't until the pandemic that I found out that you had a PhD in virology. It's just like you keep, you, you have 
you have just such an incredible wealth of knowledge in your head and you never brag about it. And if I knew and was as accomplished as you are, I would be telling everyone all of the freaking time. Well, to be fair, I did tell everyone during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, like when it, was, it became relevant and I went, hi, can I, you know, I'll see your internet Google search and I'll raise you a PhD, um, which was quite satisfying on a number of occasions, but then also quite frustrating when you came across all the people that went, do your own research. I'm like, I did for four years. I have a certificate <laughs> to prove it. Why won't you listen to me? We, women properly, you're not just a virologist, you're a wonderful comedian as well. And, um, and uh, an autistic person. I, I should, I, not to be too earnest, but um, when I was waiting for diagnosis, we had a few chats about autism and what it meant. It really meant a lot to me, though. Those conversations have really helped me sort of work things out. So thank you for that. Um, you've been Anytime. diagnosed, um, you, you've been diagnosed for a while now. Yes, I've been diagnosed for about 10 years mm-hmm. ish. Yeah, about 10 years ago. Got diagnosed as an adult, um, which was it's a different it's a different thing to go through went through the nhs as well because i know now there's you know especially in the uk you've got the two different paths you've got the go straight to source pay some money but then have them assess you very very quickly and then there's the nhs where they go let's send you around the houses um and inevitably always pass go which always involves a prescription of some kind it's so that they can get rid of you um and rarely pass the experts that go no no let's sit and look at this properly mm-hmm so I, I went around those houses and it was quite frustrating for a number of months. I got di- as women often do, I got diagnosed with a number of things or I got identified as having a number of things, um, some of which, many of which had drug solutions uh, before uh, somebody agreed that actually autism fits most of these symptoms or all of these symptoms rather than trying to find individual answers for individual issues. Mm hmm. Which is often the case. It's called an umbrella. You know, it's an umbrella. Can I ask what other things they thought it might be? Like what? Well, depression, Mm. which I have seasonal affective disorder. So depending on what time of year it was, they weren't wrong, but it wasn't simply depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely at one point I was in, I was, I was put into group therapy because I had problems relating to others. And I can't remember what they called it. But they were like, oh, you don't interact with other people very well. Let's put you in group therapy. But in group therapy, it was a mixed group. It wasn't like we all had the same diagnosis. So there were some agoraphobes in there. There were some um, medicated schizophrenics who were trying to get back, you know, rehabilitate back into life. There were some um, people with varying uh, levels of depression, some of whom were post uh post-suicide attempt and so we were all sitting in a room in group therapy trying to learn how to you know and then one therapist trying to I don't know what we were trying to do genuinely I don't know Mm. what we were trying to do other than the agoraphobes you go yay you're out like what were the rest of us (laughs) supposed to do so I I can relate to uh, you know I can relate to a post-suicidal depressed person like a pro but (laughs) Everybody else in the planet, I'm still struggling. Um, so that didn't work out. My husband actually, uh, at the time, he said, you have to stop going to group therapy because you come out of it so angry and it takes you two days to get over it. And we as a family can't, hand, like, we can't handle that. It's too severe. So I had to come out of that. Somebody else said, um, 
one of the other issues was, and this is this is what blows my mind. Uh, I can tell you all the reasons that one guy said I didn't have autism. I didn't walk like I had autism. That was one thing. Um, Joe, Jesus. you know the walk. You know the walk. <laughs> It's like a moonwalk, isn't it? Well, it's the moonwalk, but on tiptoes, which, you know, at the same time. So I did another time he told me I, I, these were brutal sessions. They were, it was, you come, I would come in. So this is the other irony is that I think there was a stat that I read once that about 98% of people with Asperger's correctly self-diagnosed because we, we like a bit of data. We like a bit of research. And so we often have, you know, so I had suspected having read up about it and having found out about it, that I was probably Aspergic. And so I went to the doctor and said, I think I have this. And then the doctors went, oh, you do, do you? Well, we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. And immediately it was like, who do you think you are coming in here? And I went, well, I am also a doctor. But anyway, let's <laughs> ignore that bit. Um, and, and at one point after one of these sessions where they're almost going, well, do you really, do you have this? Do you? It, was, it was quite confrontational rather than explorative. Uh, he said at the end I was crying and he said well see here's another reason you don't have autism because you're crying and I wow. went okay you and it, it clear he knew nothing about autism generally but autism for women specifically he had no idea that was really frustrating another doctor told me that the reason I had some of these relation issues and didn't know what I was feeling or the reason I said look I don't often know what I'm feeling and I don't know how to identify it but also because what I feel doesn't match what other people say they feel in the same situation and that's what's confused you know that's what's confusing so if somebody's cat dies they're going to feel one thing and I might feel another or they might feel something and I might be quite analytical about it and go well how did the cat die was it the cat's time to die you know that that sort of thing and, and they said, well, and they went through, you know, they asked a whole bunch of questions over a number of sessions. And they said, well, this is the thing. It's clear that your mother raised you by textbook, which my mother did. My mother had a baby, me, didn't know what to do, read a couple books, did what they said in the books, which sounds perfectly plausible and reasonable. And he said, but because she preempted your needs before you knew, so she would feed you on a schedule, which meant that you never felt hunger because she would feed you before you could truly feel hungry. That's why you don't know what your needs are. And and at no point, I was, you know, sitting there going, and what's hereditary? Autism. And if anything says autism, it's a woman who goes, how do I raise a baby? I know, I will read a book and I will do exactly what the book says. <laughs> and yet it still didn't click that, oh, hang on a second. Maybe, maybe this runs in your family. So were all these doctors, were they, were any of them specialists at this point? Or are you going to like NHS GPs who have like a base level knowledge at best? So there's a, there's a, at the time at least, I don't know how, it's probably reshuffled 14 times since I went through it, but it would start with, you know, their therapists and psychotherapists and, um, and the guy who said, I don't walk or cry like I have autism was definitely someone who who had the ability, uh, bureau- bureaucratically speaking, to give me a diagnosis. He, he was, you know, a psychologist at a level where he could go, yes, and I officially confirm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't, uh, or he wouldn't. But this was also, I mean, this was really early days for women. Still, even still, 10 years ago was still early days to appreciate and understand what autism looks like in women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
and different and I and I and it took a while and I was being passed not, the one thing I knew that I needed to do was not get discharged that was the one thing I was going I can't get discharged uh nothing was quite right so I would try everything that's why I did the group therapy I never did the drugs because I I'm not going to just start because if you take the that's the other thing if you take the drugs it's a de- that's it that's the ending that's the end of it. They go, okay, great. Well, we've prescribed you some drugs. The same way that if you go in for an antibiotic, you know, you go in for an infection, they go, here's some antibiotics. Okay, take those for seven to, day, seven to 10 days and come back if it hasn't cleared up. And so they go, oh, you seem to be depressed. Here's some antidepressants, you know, come back in three months if, you know, if you can scrape yourself off the floor. Uh, mm. it, so it, So it was just, it was a battle. It was a real, it was a few months of battle of just don't get discharged. And eventually got to someone and I and you know, and they have to go through this thick packet of papers at this point of every report that everybody's ever written. But luckily we could go through that. And I just went, Oh yeah, that's, that's, let me show you how I walk. Are you reading that report? Yeah. Let me show you my walk. <laughs> um, and eventually found someone that just went, yeah, d- did know and did understand and did get it and went, yes. And, and, off, and listen to me because every time I went in and this was a problem, I'd go in and go, I'm pretty sure I'm autistic. And then they would go, well, let's, let's, there's a process here. We need to go through the process. We need mm-hmm. to, you know, tick some boxes, but they were willing to listen and they read it. And, and luckily they'd read everything and, um, and they agreed. That's good. So on, on the subject of dating, you miss are newly single and you're yeah. out there dating. Kind are you, of. are you I'm trying, are you on the apps? How are you finding it being, being out there doing the thing is it like being on naked attraction are you showing people your knees and they're like those are some great knees you know what i i'm not specifically showing people by knees but i have had someone on instagram come compliment me on my knees based on my house of games appearance and i had somebody else offer to take care of my boots for life so i've had some interesting offers mm. uh since... at timpsons <laughs> I somehow I, I, I wish he did because I would probably accept that as an offer, but I'm not <laughs> sure that he was planning to use brushes as opposed to like his tongue. It wasn't <laughs> clear. He didn't specify, but I did, I did get a distinct can I lick your boots feel from from the comment. But I am I am out trying to date, but I am maybe I'm too self-aware now. Maybe that's the problem. The last time I was on the dating market, I was young, naive and had no idea what was going on inside and, you know, inside the brain and and why what was happening inside the brain. And now that I'm aware, maybe it's I don't know. I feel like I'm too much for most men. (laughs) I accept that. I accept I am too much for most men. And I do my best. I think when I'm on the apps and I'm swiping, half of it is, oh, he looks quite nice. Oh, I'd enjoy going on a date with that guy. But the other half is, oh, he wouldn't be able to handle me. Oh, he wouldn't be able, you know, oh, this won't work. This won't work. This won't work. Like most of it is this just wouldn't work. And I know why it wouldn't work. And it's and it's awful. And here we go. This is our equivalent of a thigh gap conversation. But being this sounds so arrogant. I'm going to lose so many. So many people are going to be turned off by this. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> But just, we all know ourselves. We know ourselves. And I know, I know what I've just had. I know I want to try something different. 
And that's that's what we do, don't we, when we online date? I'm being so diplomatic. This is unfunny. Do you want to ask <laughs> questions before I dig myself a hole? So I'm like, excited that it's our podcast. You're going to cancel yourself on. I am. I'm going to. Well, <laughs> just to, just to men, just to men. But I, I think um, I think there's a whole bunch of lesbians who who might be willing to to help me explore that side of myself. You know, all of these rules that I'm learning about dating. Oh, never sleep with a guy on the first date because then he won't want you for a second date. I always slept with a guy on my first date, and I slept with. Tom on the first date. I and just want to throw that out there. No, well, eight I, years, eight years. Well, I slept with Steve. It wasn't really a date. I just went home with him after kung fu class. But that lasted. <laughs> That's the most real thing you've ever said. <laughs> but it, that lasted, you know, that lasted four children. As you're out dating again, like, do you do you care or desire a partner who is also neurodivergent? Do you know what? That's a really interesting question. It's never crossed my mind. I think, I think that it it's never crossed my mind in terms of the list of, I don't think it's something one should prescribe per se, but I think that again, it's a bit like autism is an umbrella diagnosis. It might end up being that once I've ticked all the boxes, that's only ticked, could be that it's only ticked by a neurodivergent. For me, I like, I, you know, I have a, I have a PhD and and I'm quite highly educated. I quite like someone that also has been through that experience because it shapes the way that you think. It shapes the way that you look at information and data. And obviously, I'm a bit of a data whore. Mm-hmm. I love a, I love a, a deep and meaning. I love that kind of detailed conversation about things. But they don't have to have it in the same subject. And they don't necessarily have to have, you know, they maybe they haven't done a PhD, but maybe they've, you know, been qualified or an expert in a certain field or something. Like, I'd be quite... That, that to me would be quite interesting. Somebody that can do a PhD or do that kind of level of work, to me, it suggests that they probably could handle the intensity that I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's where it translates into. It's, it's uh, I have a tendency, and so apologies to all of those men listening. I, it's not personal, but I have a tendency to swipe left and reject anyone who's only been to technical college um, or is only hasn't been to university. But not to say that they're not incredibly smart or intelligent or whatever, but I just have found through experience that I'm a bit much for them in terms of the path that they've, you know, they've gone on in life. I find that any guy that's just like love, you know, love a roast in the, in the pub on Sundays. You know what? I love a roast in the pub on Sundays, but I just can't guarantee I'm going to be there every Sunday. And I need someone who under, who doesn't, who doesn't have a regular schedule. Mm. Someone who, who also, I need, I need someone who is as busy and as obsessed with their job as I am rather than someone who sits there, works nine to five and then comes home at seven and goes, are you gigging tonight? I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I am working just like you worked every Monday to Friday, nine to five. But I'm not allowed to question that. Am I? I'm not allowed to go, Hey, take the day off. Let's spend it together. I can't do that, but you can go, do you have to gig tonight? That's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, the reason why I bring it up is obviously, as you know, both me and my partner were diagnosed later in life and, uh, it turns out that Tom is ADHD autistic. I'm ADHD and Joe is autistic and his partner has ADHD. So what I'm saying mm. is we need to, we need you to meet a nice PhD <laughs> ADHD oh. boy that like, there's something about, and there's someone you need else. A neurodivergent version of Tinder or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Neurodivergent dating app. 
I'm surprised they haven't made it yet because they have like J date for like people who wanted like meet a Jewish person. They have mm-hmm. they have all these subsets. There needs to be. They like, do kindred yeah. for people who don't want kids. Oh really? I didn't um, know that. That's cool. So it, I, I, I don't know that if they had ADHD as well. I don't think that's a. I don't know that that household would ever get cleaned. Like I'm all for the PhD, but if they also had ADHD, I think that we'd have to hire a cleaner. Oh no, we're in the process of hiring a cleaner. Finally, yeah. after yeah. lockdown, we're both like we're neither of us are going to clean the house, and can we afford it? It doesn't matter. We now need it. Need like, it. We yeah. need it. No. So if I'm with someone with ADHD, just you know, make sure that you've budgeted fifty, sixty quid a week for a cleaner. Yeah. We just live in filth here. That's what we say. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about being autistic as well. It's like you're supposed to relax, aren't you? And on a first, are you not? No, you're supposed to not relax. You're supposed to not be yourself. I don't know. Anyway, I filters. I find filters very hard to maintain, and all, and all of that. And inevitably, something will slip out that I shouldn't have said, or people go, uh, "Can you explain that comment, please?" And when you're on stage, everyone goes, "That's." hilarious oh my gosh that's our inner truth and you know you say it like you know you say you say it like we mean it and but anywhere else in life as an autistic you're just you're just a bit weird and inappropriate and abrupt and I've, I've, I'm talking about this in my new show, 12 midday every day at the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people say be yourself don't that's the sort of thing people say yeah. but actually be yourself doesn't mean be yourself at all it means be a sort of relaxed, palatable version of of who you are. You know, it means the opposite of of, of be yourself. Well, it does um, to us, doesn't it? Be the Where... best possible yeah. version. I think it's like put your best foot forward. Like be 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 the best possible version that is the most digestible version of yourself. Is I to, think what be for yourself most is. of society. Yeah, yeah. for yeah, most I of society. I think it means be a toned down version of yourself. Toned I down think version it, yeah. of yourself. Or like a sort of, you know, what do I mean? Like, uh, yeah, just a more palatable version. When you watch those sort of, what's that show? Love on the Spectrum. That's always what they say is be yourself. They go, that, that's the advice they give to the autist. They go, be yourself, be yourself. Also, make sure you make eye contact. Make sure you don't talk about this too much. Make sure you ask, you know, like, there's a whole list of things yeah. to not be yourself, but also be yourself. Well, um, but for us, that's a whole list of things for us to do. Because mm. we need that list of instructions, whereas I'm fairly sure most people would not be, be, need to be reminded about eye contact. Yeah, mm. I do. One thing I um, we mentioned, although it may not make the cut, of that talking about Amy Schumer earlier. Have you seen her material about her husband being autistic? No. Oh no. I, I really love it, and I re- it was the first time I'd ever seen a at least non-autistic person talking about like dating autistic person and like the positives of it and she talks about how he never lies about anything and how brilliant that is and like other men she's dated and you know and and, like can you believe this i found a man who never lies and i think that that i've watched that in reverse that's the first time that i've seen sort of neurodivergent traits portrayed as like this would be something good in a partner there's something you might look for you know and i think that's um uh very rare you know and i think even we can sort of like that you're talking about like um sort of disclosing being autistic to new partners but i think there's clearly things about like you like you, i i couldn't my wife has adhd and you know is very neurodivergent i don't think i could um 
go out with someone who was neurotypical. I think that we wouldn't work. Do you? It's funny because I maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm more old school. I always worried that because I want someone to take care of me. So this is I do like it's a lot to maintain this earthly coil, and, mm-hmm. and by which I mean not as in it takes me an hour and a half to get ready in the morning by which I mean, in terms of how exhausting things get, keeping track of my sugar or my caffeine intake, which I always lose track of. And then all of a sudden I'm up and then I've crashed and then, you know, um, making sure that I'm not overstimulated because I don't always know when I'm overstimulated until I'm, it's too late. Mm -hmm. You suddenly go, Oh, I'm overstimulated. Okay. This is a problem. Or, or when to stop complaining because there's only so many things that, people are going to fix about the environment yeah uh Mm. car shares car shares cannot if we're going to talk why is the radio on and also i don't like breeze so i know that it's hot outside but i don't want the aircon on my side of the car and but i don't want to disrupt you but it's just like by the time i've adjusted for everything and people just go jesus ria it's only half an hour down the road you know Mm -hmm. but but all of that, it's it's a lot to maintain. And I always worry that if I go out with an autistic man, will he be able to take care of me externally the way I want to be taken care of? You know, to see that I'm, I want someone who recognizes if I'm overstimulated or would go, okay, you know, who might walk in and make some of those requests for me so that I don't have to do all the requests. He might just go in and go, oh, actually, can we not sit by the open window? Do you mind if we sit in the corner rather than me have to do all of that? And I And I worry that an autistic man wouldn't be able to have that extra view i always thought that i'd have to go out with a neurotypical of 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 a broad intelligence to be able to provide me with just those extra bits that otherwise i'm like not a carer not literally a carer but it is a caring thing that's that's my ideal is a man that would go i will i will take care of i will see all the detail that you see and more and it won't bother me so that I can then go, I don't mind sitting not by the open window. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I wonder if who better to do that, but an autistic person, like at the beginning, when we were talking about autism versus uh, aut- autism in women and autism in men, women will mask more. Whereas you said, men will be like, change this environment for me. So what better than an autistic man to walk into a restaurant and be like, I need that window closed. I need that music off. We will sit in this corner, dim the lights. Like, that's the guy who's going to do it for you. That's Uh, true, but he'll do it for himself. And I want somebody who'll do it for me. And that's the uh, thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, is that that if our autism is completely aligned, great. But... (laughs) then uh, perfect. Although I don't like it. That's the one thing. I don't like it dim. I like it. Okay. I like to see my food. My husband would dim the lights. It, it, he did this. Where he would, he would dim the lights. Like I'd cook a meal. I'd like cook a meal. And then he, everyone would come into the kitchen and sit down and he'd get up and like dim the kit. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like atmosphere. And I went, atmosphere is the food I just cooked. Like I just cooked, <laughs> I just cooked an entire meal with three side dishes and you don't want to see it. Uh, no, turn the lights back up. (laughs) I need, but also because I also need to know if someone scrapes their knife on their plate, who that is. Oh, we don't do, we don't do plates. We don't, we don't do, we only do do plastic. plastic. We do plastic and the kids won't even do the bamboo plates. Cause I went, Oh, bamboo. These are bamboo. So the grownups use bamboo, but the kids are still like not melamine or nothing. Interesting. We don't in the whole the whole house because the whole house is pretty much 
we're all we all have misophonia and autism and and our household is just five bedrooms in a kitchen and everyone comes home and goes to their own spaces and we all mm-hmm. just sit in our own spaces and then we text each other hey is anyone hungry okay i'll cook some food and then i go to the kitchen but if too many people are in the kitchen i have to leave the kitchen <laughs> so unless we're sitting to eat but if i'm cooking and someone else comes in and goes oh i just want to fill my water bottle i just want i'm like ah, ah, ah get out and then um We've just yeah, th- off. now you've said yeah, now you've said that I realised that we do. I mean, there are many arguments about the air conditioning in the car with my wife, so that, that those things do come up. But I think I think yeah. for me, it comes down to that thing about um, uh, you know being left behind, mm. and I think that's that's mm. what it boils down to in my personal relationship is that you know it's sort of like um, feeling like it's that alien thing, isn't it? I feel like if we are aliens, we're from. You know, at least we're both. A- I'd rather live with another alien that goes, aren't these human beings a bit weird? But um, yeah, that it's sounds a complicated nice. Thing. Do you know what? <laughs> that does sound nice because I have lived for. You know, I have lived my entire marriage with someone going. Yeah, but that's just. Pe- oh, last night. Here we go. Last night, I was having a bit of a moment, uh, and I was talking to my husband about it. I was trying to explain to him about how neurotypicals this thing well they'll band together or they they just know instinctively i'm not one of them or joe what you said about okay we've hung out but joe you can you can go now thanks thanks but we're gonna continue without you and it is very much that it's just very much a you're not welcome anymore and and you and it is it's just oh okay i'm sorry and then you feel doubly awful because not only are you being rejected but you've realized have i overstayed my welcome how long have i been here and you didn't want me to be here And I'm Mm -hmm. mortified by that. I'm still mortified. You've been rude as anything to me. And I'm still mortified that I might have upset you. Because that's how we've been trained as we grow up, is to just constantly think about everybody else's feelings. But our feelings don't matter. So that, And I was trying to explain it. I said to my husband, so when something is my fault, it's my fault. If I do something wrong in a job or whatever, I've screwed up. And that's my fault. And I take responsibility. I apologize. But when somebody else screws up, and it affects me and I get mad at them, that's my fault because I've had an autistic reaction and how dare I, you know, how I shouldn't have treated them that way. And, and you know, and I'm going, why have we forgotten that they screwed up in the first place? It mm. can be anything, you know, like they, they were responsible for the lunch order or whatever. And everyone gets their lunch and mine is wrong. And then I'm not, I'm just supposed to go, oh no, that's fine. Even though of all people, I need to make sure that my eating is exactly as I planned it and the rest of it. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Why get mad? They, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, oh, you know, their apology is supposed to be enough. So then it's my fault. And I was trying to explain how it's my fault when it's my fault, but it's my fault when it's their fault. And that happens a lot. And I never feel secure. I never feel like definitely people would have my back in that situation. I feel like often people go, you know what, let's just not book Rhea again. But you, you screwed up the booking. You told me the wrong date, but I'm the one who doesn't get work anymore because you made a mistake and I didn't show up on the right day, but it was your typo, whatever it is. And, and I was trying to explain that to my husband and he went, well, yeah, but that's just what people are like. And I went, no, no, not people, neurotypicals specifically. I'm talking about neurotypicals. Well, just people, but people are like that in general. And he kept like, he kept invalidating. He just kept going, no, but that's all people. Like I wasn't allowed to it wasn't allowed to be neurotypicals and he would, he would a very yeah. neurotypical reaction to going, well, no, that's not us. That's everybody. And it's the same thing as, well, you don't seem that autistic. 
oh, okay, doctor, thank you so much for your professional opinion that according to you standing in front of me now, I do not have over 12 months worth of diagnosis. You've decided, oh, well, thank God. Thank God we ran into each other. And it's the same thing with neurotypicals just going, oh, that's, that's not an us thing. That's mm. a you thing. That's not us. That's everybody. Everybody does that. Oh, that makes it okay, does it? Doesn't make it okay. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. That we, you know, it, and that's the other thing about that. I did. I never feel, I never totally feel secure. Sometimes I do feel secure in some places. There are clubs where I know I have a wonderful time and they're wonderful people. And I'm always going to get booked. And, and let's be clear. Most of the world is wonderful. Most of the people we work with are wonderful. Um, and I think that's important to say at this point in the episode that we're not, you know, this is not, we're not bitching about 90% of the world. We're talking about, generalities or, or, or proportions or group mentalities that 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 exist but there are places where i do feel secure but there's definitely workplaces where i'll never feel secure like i always feel like i have to hide that side of myself or be on ten or just be like this is not a place where my autism will be accepted or if i do get autistic here i will never work again and they'll argue mm. it's because and that's the horrendous thing about working in a subjective industry is that it will always be Oh, well, she's not right for the show. Oh, well, you know, it's, you know, our audience don't really like her or they can come up with anything that sounds reasonable when in reality you go, it's because I'm autistic, but as long as they don't say it, it's not illegal. You say it, it's illegal, but you don't say, but you have so many other, other wishy-washy subjective reasons that you could give to never hire me again, but never, you know, or the number of times that I've been autistic to someone and this mortifies me every time it happens and you don't get used to it. And I'm sure it's happened to both of you where something's happened. You've been neurodivergent. Nobody tells you at the time, but you find out a week, two weeks, four weeks later, somebody goes, Oh yeah, you really upset that person. And then you feel awful. And you go, why didn't someone tell me at the time I would have apologized. I would have had a conversation with them. I didn't intend it. I didn't mean it. And you're the one making up for everything, but they're not thinking twice. They're just like, yeah, I was really upset by that. And they just sit there in their own little like me, me, me place. And you're there feeling awful about it. And also going, so what damage has that caused? What Mm -hmm. damage has that interaction caused? How many other people have you told that I did that to? without, you know, full context, without being, being allowed to apologize for it. That happens all the time. And, and it is mortifying because I don't want anyone to be upset with interacting with me at the same time. So I end up shouldering most of the upset of any conflict that I'm in. I take, you know, I take that on because I know that it's, you know, I know that I carry this extra condition that leads to me being not perfectly nice all the time. I don't, I don't know, Joe, I don't know if you do this. I don't know why. I know you're supposed to say hi or good morning before you text people. And I don't, I just, I have an idea. I go, Ooh, you know, I wonder if this person knows the answer and I'll text them out of the blue and go, Hey, do you know the answer to ABC? And they'll will come back with hello. I go, <laughs> so I, I go the other way. Hello. Oh, really? I, cause I, cause I think I probably, it's interesting how I think that 
because I'm worried about like I'm sure that I've been told off for being too direct and just asking oh this is going straight to the point so my text will often begin with hello how are you how have your past seven weeks been (laughs) like a long like uh, yeah right letter um, to try and compensate for that but um, but yeah I totally get what you mean I do remember sometimes but I'm going through my text messages I do the same thing Ria (laughs) and literally I'm like wait I thought that's the point of this I thought the point of text messaging was that you just got because the conversation in texting in my mind it never begins it never ends like you can you can not answer someone for weeks you can answer them within three minutes it doesn't matter ergo you don't have to do any niceties Mm. but i i do i get that i notice i get that a lot of people just sort of going well hello to you too yeah and i go all right and i feel like you i'm going well hang on a second why would I, you know, I, if I don't know them very well, if I'm texting someone professionally like a producer and I've maybe never texted them or I've texted them once, I might go, hi, good morning. I just wanted to check. Is it okay if I show up at 11 instead of 12? But if it's a friend or somebody else, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't yeah. tend to do it. I have to reread my emails. When I write an email, I'll write it out and then I have to go through and actually lengthen the sentences because in my raw state, my emails will be, I need to check this with you. I have five on my, on my, my spreadsheet says five, but you said seven in your email. What's the answer? And then I have to go through and then like nice it up. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. I hope you're well. Uh, Just quick question. Just one check. Not a big deal, but maybe we could. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always the best wishes and regards. I'm never, I don't sit with kind regards. Kind regards, I'm like, I am not a kind regards kind of person. Mm. I'll do best wishes. I will do best comma and I will do regards. With regards, but kind regards, I, I, I'm like, I, it's too much of a lie to me because I just don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know what regard is at all. I don't think What's anyone does now that you say that. A regard, a regard, uh, regards. Like a, well, you can't just I have the one. You. If you just sent one, that would be rude. Regard, Rhea. That means think of me, doesn't it? Regard, Rhea. Yeah, <laughs> Regard, kind, yeah like think kind of me. thoughts. Yeah, it's kind thoughts, thoughts, isn't it? Yeah. Thoughts. Yeah, I guess it's thoughts. Thoughts, Rhea. Please think Regards. kindly of me. <laughs> no, it's sending kind thoughts, isn't it? Kind oh, regards okay. is to send kind thoughts. But I just don't I'm... think that kindness has a role to play in 99% of your business interactions. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, not about right. kindness. It's not. And that's what I guess that's the other thing that irritates me is that you go, OK, we're supposed to be kind in our social interactions. I get that. We'll be nice and nice. But in business, it's about money. So why are we still being kind? And yeah. why is it that when I'm not kind? I don't, So when the money, I mean, there's so much nastiness in business, but there's obviously still a feel to it and a time and a place for it. And I'm like, I don't want to be nasty, but I'd like to be business like and matter of fact, when can I be that without it? you know, without it screwing up the business deal. I, I don't, there's so many, so much nuance. It just, this is why, and, and to go back, actually, that was the other point to go back to these couples that we were talking about on love Island and the rest of it to give credit to these people. They live ostensibly more successful lives than most of us do. They've got houses, they've got cars, they've got gardens, you know, they're probably all, they invest in crypto. Um, they go on holiday every year. How many of us can say that we have any of those things? <laughs> yeah. So they do, you know, so for all of us to sit here and go, that's not a real relationship. It needs more than this that, and the other. I'm going, but at the same time, they're doing life better or they're doing our society better than I am. 
that's the moral of this episode is be more like the Love Island contestants. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple life, but it will um it will bring happiness. Is that is that what we want? Is a be more like? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Right, that's what every autistic wants to hear. Be more like anything but yourself. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, as much as you were afraid of canceling yourself during saying things, Joe just canceled this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, do, I, I should clarify that was a level of irony by what, when I was saying that. <laughs> we know. I don't we think know, you should be you like worry. the Love Island contestants. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, we should wrap up. I feel like we need a good salutation uh or or last question to wrap up with but i'm not quite sure what that might be but other than kind like, regards yeah kind well, thank you for, <laughs> thank coming, you for coming with kind regards kind regards uh but uh other than the kind regards is there anything you want to say here in summation um any in summation um I don't know. I feel like this has been one walking advertisement for me in terms of dating. Like, I feel this is... Okay. You know what I mean? Here's a question. Uh, As as a neurodivergent person, autistic person dating, what is one thing that would be great for other people to bring to the table for you? Like, what, what is something that you're like, all these first dates would go a lot better if someone understand to not sit by the window or whatever that thing is for you you know it i genuinely it's a good question but genuinely i feel like so many of us do in these situations that it's it's the other way around if people could please write in and tell me what not to do on a first date in order to actually get a second date that would be great because clearly (laughs) i'm doing something on these first dates to make them all go you're not no, as we discussed, it's your fault if you do something wrong. It's your fault if they do something wrong. They're doing something wrong. They're taking no. responsibility. Well, I mean, they're not wanting to see me again. So there's obviously okay. something. Do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. haven't. Okay, to be fair, there were two that I I there were two dates I went on to practice that I never <laughs> intended to see again. So I'm sorry, That's you two guys. Can't even remember your names. They hear this. They're gonna know they were the practice dates. Well, yes. Well, they're going to wonder and um, <laughs> definitely going to wonder. But there were there were a couple that I was like, oh, I'd like to see you again. And they both politely declined. So there's obviously, you know, and everyone's allowed to to have their choice. I think one of them was kind of more into another woman that he was also, you know, like we went on a first date, but he was already kind of getting involved with someone else. I'm like, OK, fair enough. Uh, but it's it's the other way around like i'm you know as we all are we are adaptable to a certain extent and i'm willing to adapt like i'm not going to say yes to a date in a loud bar that's not going to work for me um and actually the best dates i've been on were walks in the park Mm. like literally walks in the park and and those worked very well for me but there's you know at some point I'd like to know what what does happen on a second date what does one do on a second date i've never been so i've never been on a second date only ever been on first dates interesting all right well there you go uh for Rhea, what you could do is walks in the park we we did get an answer walks in the, which we did whatever. walks i love a walks walk in the park, park so you and date. i have been on so many dates actually oh my god yeah <laughs> we've gone second third fourth we went no yeah there you go 
And, uh, I mean, it is a curious question. And uh, I would encourage, because we always ask people to send neurodivergent moments into the podcast. If you have any neurodivergent moments regarding dating or if you are someone who's found something that works for you, it would be really fun to hear that. So, by all means, write into the podcast, neurodivergentmomentspod at gmail.com. I'm sure there's some lovely dating to it. Oh, I, I want to hear them. Can I come? How do oh, I there was sh- a sex one last month. <gasps> Tell me. It was it's on the uh, on the Rufus Hound podcast, I think. Um, someone. Okay. Uh, oh, let me get Just skip to the rice. end. Just skip to yeah. the end. We do them at the end. <laughs> uh, Everyone yeah. else who's listening, listen all the way through. We really need that for uh, to please the algorithm. But Rhea, just skip to the very end. Okay. Rufus <laughs> Hound. I will have yeah. a listen. I would love that. Yeah, I'd love to hear what people have written in. Yeah, we'll, uh, regardless, we'll figure out some way to get this information back to you. We'll obviously use it somehow in our podcast, but we'll get any advice, any any bits, we'll, we'll, we'll get it to you for yes, sure. Yes, please. That'd be great. Um, do you have anything coming up? Any how, how do people find you on the socials? What's going on? Find, just find me on the socials because that's sort of my focus right now, like yourself. So Rialina underscore or just Rialina and I come up. Um, and just, yeah, give us a follow, give us a wave or a hello or not a hello. Just launch right in there. I have no problem if you just want to launch right in there. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Glad we could do this. Me too. Thank you, Rhea. Hey, Abigail, do you know about Pod Spikes? I do know about Pod Spike because they are, in fact, our sponsor of this podcast. They are brilliant. They, If you are someone who is developing your own podcast, it can be very hard to get seen, get noticed by people, get in the ratings, um, get shout outs on social media. Pod Spike can help you. Uh, to promote your podcast but they do it in a small manageable way instead of spending thousands and thousands of pounds on a big PR team you can just pay a small amount of money and little bite-sized chunks and you can see where that money's being spent yeah they do stuff like help optimize your numbers and clicks Um, they can even help improve your artwork Uh, put a spotlight on your show with features and newsletters and get more listeners with a high ROI spots in the podcast apps Here's a question. If uh, this podcast fails, which I I don't think it will, I think it's going well. But if you have to start a new podcast, what what are your podcast ideas? I would do a podcast where I do a deep dive on all the things that British people say I do wrong or (laughs) is a bit weird because I'm American. It's just like when you say, because you said mate to me the other day, and you've mentioned this before, and you're right, it does sound strange coming from you, I'm sorry. Yeah, I uh, I now say mate, but I still say dude, because I am a child of the 90s, so <laughs> my vocabulary no longer makes sense, and uh, uh, no matter how many times people tell me it's a jumper, I will always call it a sweater. <laughs> What about sweater's you? Been, the sweater's been brought into our culture. I think the, you've won on, America's won on the sweater. We win so. on so many things because we are the greatest country in the world. <laughs> okay, this is going to get us canceled right away. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you had a podcast other than this podcast, what would it be about, Joe? So I was thinking Jerry Seinfeld's done well with comedians and cars getting coffee. My idea is comedians and cars running late for the gig. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so just that stress of we've got to be there at eight. Satnev says seven fifty nine. The promoters, so you'd have special guests would be the promoter calling, like getting angry, going, where are you? Um, there's, there's traffic, there's jeopardy. That's my idea. Just talking about all the closures on the M1, it'd be beautiful. <laughs> I think you'd see a, a different side to a lot of comics that are sort of fun and upbeat, but seeing them running late to the gig and all that stress, and, you know, it's just what someone's fault because they didn't get to the meeting point quickly enough and they're to blame. I think you'd see a lot of drama. It'd be very exciting. Oh, that would be fun. And then you get to watch uh, the ones who were on time to the meeting point going, no, really, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and you know what? If either of us decide to start these podcasts, uh, we can use PodSpike to help us get the word out about it. Yes. Yeah. It's no fake followers, no complicated strategies, and no minimum commitment. So you can do... You can use their services for as long and as much as you want. So check out Podspike at podspike.com. Podcast marketing made easy. That was Rialina. Absolutely stunning lady. Everyone should go check her out. And like she said, follow her on her socials. So yeah. yeah, so go her, to um, her work is amazing. Yeah, oh, we've, I've done uh, this. We usually do this in the intro, the awkward talking over each other, haven't we? <laughs> but I've saved it to the end. We're quite a slick intro, I think, if I remember. <laughs> Compared to other than the fact that you asked a question, and I was like, I don't know how to answer that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Uh, I think we're we're expecting. We're um, our plan is for the second uh, series um, or season. Uh, we are going to do some in-studio interviews. And I think we both believe that it'll be less awkward in those in-studio ones. I think we're going to get there and we're going to get a big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll... Well, I think we did better at the live one. Oh, we were were very slick at the live one, yeah. That's coming out next next fortnight. Yeah, yeah, live one. But... That would look right. Yes, and everyone... Definitely keep an eye out for that one. But before we do that, we should read some neurodivergence from our lovely listeners. Yes. Uh, we, we, as people who listen regularly will know, we get our listeners to send in little moments where they realise that their brain was different to other people's brains. Um, do you have one, Abigail? Should, should I go first? Do you want to go first? Um, I am happy to go first. Um, you go first. So this is from Chris. So, hi, Abigail and Joe. I was preparing dinner and I turned on the stove to to cook some water f- for my spaghetti. While that heated up, I started to prepare the sauce by cutting up some vegetables. I put the spaghetti in the tall skinny pot with the boiling water and, and started a 10-minute timer. So far, so good. I resumed cutting the veggies, and five minutes later, I realized I hadn't mixed the water with the spaghetti. Half the spaghetti was still sticking out of the boiling water, completely firm, while the other half was five minutes cooked already. There, There is about a three-feet distance between where I cut the veggies and the stovetop. I swear, the finished pasta tasted completely fine. <laughs> Crunchy pasta. Oh, I love al dente. See, if you call it, <laughs> if you call uncooked pasta al dente, it's fancy. <laughs> Lovely. I've I've done stuff like that so much while cooking. Uh, 
Yeah. Just I, they I, didn't say their diagnosis. I feel like that this is one of your people, right? Yeah, it feels ADHD. It feels. <laughs> like, I say, there's always a certain rhythm to the ADHD ones that they're, where yeah. they're sort of like, and then this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Yeah, when it, whenever it's like, and then this, and then this, it's like, oh, you're one of mine. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got a lovely one as as well. I've got one from uh, Louise. Um, I hope she, uh, she doesn't say she wants to be anonymous. Um, if she if I read through this and she says she has, then I will uh, bleep her name. Perfect. Uh, give her give her last name and her socials and her address. Real quick, yes. go. <laughs> and her IP address. Uh, hi, Abigail and Joe. Uh, my name is Louise and I have very, very recently, as in I'm still not fully finished the process, been confirmed autistic. Woohoo. A video of Joe appeared on my Twitter feed last Friday and as a result, I discovered the podcast. I listened to them all, bar the most recent one, on Saturday. As I frantically cleaned the house in anticipation of guests coming on Sunday. Definitely need the motivator to get housework done. I listened to the last one this morning, Monday. Love them all. Really interesting. And like Abigail, I find myself relating to everything. (laughs) And now, my neurodivergent moment. I was catching the bus one day in my late teens slash early 20s. It was the first stop on the bus route. And to get to the stop, I needed to cross a road. This was at a train station and the level crossing had just gone up. So there was a big tailback of cards and I couldn't get across. I watched in panic as the bus started up and moved to exit the train station car park. I was somehow able to communicate to the driver that I wanted to get on. The bus had to pass me. And very kindly, he stopped for me at a non-designated stop, unlike some drivers who are sticklers for the rules and have made me run to the next stop. Not fun. I was so grateful and planned how I would thank him for stopping for me, and I really appreciated it. But once the doors opened and I got on the bus... The script kicked in. I'm on the bus, so I have to tell the driver where I'm going and pay the fare. Thanking comes at the end of the journey. Tell him thank you then. I pay the fare, and as I'm walking to my seat, planning my big thank you in my head, I hear a sarcastic, you're welcome, from the driver. No, I was going to say thank you at the designated thank you part of the bus journey. And now if I do, it will seem that I'm only doing it because of the passive-aggressive comments. I was all flustered and blamed it on what I thought at the time was my shyness, but realised now, as I'm re-evaluating every interaction in my life, it was definitely a neurodivergent moment. Looking forward to hearing more podcasts, Louise. That's the thing with neurodivergent moments, you can find them retrospectively in your life. You can look oh, back yeah. and go, that, that was one, I thought it was shyness, but it wasn't. Yeah, I love that. And your heart was in the right place. I feel like that's one of those um, memories where <sighs> sometimes you're just walking down the street and you're like... He didn't think I wanted to sincerely thank him, but I did want to sincerely thank him. It's okay, the designated babe. thank you period. Yeah. You know the rules. <laughs> this guy, renegade over here, shouting your welcome whenever. I don't he know. Th- this bus driver doesn't know any of the rules. He's stopping at a non-designated area, and he's expecting thank yous in non-designated thank you areas. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Someone needs to remind him of the handbook. <laughs> All right, well, guys, that's the end of this episode. As you know, we always have a um, Patreon episode come out uh, in between our big, ep- our main episodes, our f- free episodes. So if you want, sign up for the Patreon. Just go to the Patreon app and type in Neurodivergent Moments and you'll find us. And We'll see you there. Yeah. Joe, is there anything else we need to say? No, I think that's everything. We're, we will be, when this comes out, it'll be our first Edinburgh show tomorrow. Come see us at that. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. All right. See you in two weeks' time, guys. Bye. Bye.